This episode of Recipe for Growth contains discussion of sexual abuse. Listener discretion is advised. It's the letter G today. Good girl syndrome meets Grand Monnier souffle. Quite a pairing. A cup full of compassion with a dash of sass. You know, there's nothing like a good chat and chow experience. So let's get started. Welcome to Recipe for Growth. I'm Lauren Leibowitz. We're going to talk about the good girl syndrome while we whip up a Grand Monnier souffle. So you're probably wondering, how does a Grand Meunier souffle apply to being a good girl? Well, one of the symptoms of being a good girl is getting things right and putting pressure on yourself. And what is so daunting about the Grand Meunier souffle that it seems to take so much time in the making. And when it comes out, from the oven at a restaurant and to your table, it just looks like sheer perfection. And sometimes being perfect or even too perfect and getting it right. I just wanted to test my skill set to see how I've grown from the good girl symptoms that I do have. And boy, can I tell you, I was pleasantly surprised. With our theme of the good girl syndrome, we are making Grand Monnier souffle. And no Grand Monnier souffle would be complete without creme anglaise. And that is a combination of milk, heavy whipping cream, and gorgeous egg yolks that are about to come together with some fresh vanilla bean. We're going to pop that into the refrigerator to cool while we make zest. Grand Meunier souffle. This is part of the souffle that we're making. Egg yolks, orange zest, the little secret ingredient of the Grand Meunier liqueur, and a dash of vanilla bean. Next, we're going to do the egg whites and uh, mix those two things together to give it the zhuzh. I'm guilty. I'm so guilty of being a good girl. Guilty as charged. And If you find that you are a good girl and you have good girl syndromes, whipping these egg whites into this consistency will beat it out of you. (laughs) Look at these beautiful egg whites. They are the consistency of uh, shaving cream. Okay, so we're gonna put about half of this mixture into our egg mixture here. So let's fold that in. I remember my mother telling me about how to fold ingredients together where you just scoop around the side of the bowl and just make a turn and fluff it on top. So we wanna mix that in until it's all mixed in together. We are ready to go into the oven for the final stage of the Grand Meunier Souffle. Well, not the final stage, just one more step with our secret sauce. So, while this bakes in the oven, let's sit down and have a chat. So today, we're going to delve into the good girl syndrome. What exactly is the good girl syndrome? How do you know if you are a good girl? Google came up with being obedient and well-behaved obey authority, and don't question your role in society. 
I think the latter really resonates with me. Obey authority and don't question your role in society. I have been, oh my, a good girl and for the past 50 years or so, and, and I'm not very proud of that because I have been someone who has acquiesced and been obedient in order to be loved. And I just felt a tectonic shift inside of me that forced me to examine all of me, every last bit of who I am. And I can honestly tell you that I'm I'm really not sure, and I don't know if we're really ever sure of who we are. I think some people are more sure of their direction and who they are and their boundaries, which boundaries, that's a whole other topic. But let's get back to the good girl syndrome. I remember as a young girl, my mother reinforced the notion of always being presentable when going out in public. And I think the term presentable to her meant that I wear, at the minimum, lipstick and mascara. Because she says, Lauren, you don't know who you're going to meet, so always present your best self. And along with wearing makeup, I think it was also important to dress in a particular way so that I would be attractive to the opposite sex. My mother was a woman from the 50s with traditional values in the sense that a woman pleased her husband and did what was necessary and that a woman needed a husband to provide for her financially. And looking back at that belief, I wish my mother had also given me encouragement to discover myself as well. And I think that's why I'm really done with being the good girl. Though it did help me find a a beautiful, loving, generous, caring husband. But what I'm left with is an uncertainty in my own sense of self. So I guess the creation of the good girl syndrome, my creation of it, was to hopefully bring attention to myself out in the world And also probably so my mother would notice me and give me the the love and attention I sorely needed from her, being the second child of a two-child family and a Jewish family, with the eldest sibling being a male. Most of the attention, or I should say all of the attention, went to my older brother. Perhaps many of you can relate. As the girl... I did well in school. I I didn't have that independence in my teenage years where I rebelled and dyed my hair, did drugs, slept around because I was still wanting to be the good girl. And if I expressed myself that way, there would be a price to pay. So taking that need to be loved and validated, I, I kind of took my good girl costume with me wherever I went. And beginning at the age of 12, I was beginning to come into my own sexually and felt like hot shit. I had a cute little body. I had, you know, tits. I had a curvaceous figure. And I remember wearing a purple bikini with pink polka dots and staring at myself in the mirror, admiring myself. It was such a nice feeling for the first time that I really loved what I saw. And I felt that I was hot.
I don't want you to think I didn't have my voice and want to have my voice and thought to have my voice, which I did as a child, but there was always a consequence to have it, which meant being hit by my mother. And so I learned over time to not have a voice and to squash down all feelings that I had of resentment, of anger, of you name it. Uh, They're probably buried deep inside me to this day, but I am learning to uncover them one step at a time. It's not that my mother didn't love me. She loved me in her own way, but it's her behavior that I interpreted as I'm not lovable and I don't really want to be the good girl anymore. And not until we can learn and understand who we are, can we stop or change or regroup or reshift the beliefs that we were raised with. You learn certain beliefs from your parents, from mentors around you. And then when you become an adult, then it's up to you to decide which beliefs no longer serve you. And I think I'm a little late in coming to that realization, but I think I am in the midst of a re, not even a reawakening, just a plain old awakening. So that's kind of where I am. I'm in limbo in the middle, discovering who I am and realizing that I've been living a life of someone else's dream. So why do we turn to being a good girl? Doing well in school, getting attention. I think when you get the love and attention from the people that matter most to you, your parents who you trust and have your best intention at heart. Gosh, I didn't have that. And that's why this is so hard. I don't want to continue to play this role, this costume. It doesn't fit anymore. What are you risking to continue to be a good girl? And how do you break away from this syndrome? How do you decide what's not working? What questions do you ask yourself? How do we let go of the beliefs that no longer serve us? and be vulnerable. Out in the world, the vulnerability got me in trouble. There's just that fine line of being vulnerable so you can let other people in your life and being vulnerable where predators see a door open and come in and can take advantage of you because they're giving you what you so want and need And how do we protect ourself? How do we rely on ourself? I believe first and foremost, it's about listening to our inner GPS that is always there and it's so noisy out in the world that we don't necessarily hear what we're being guided to do. And when you can trust that, trust yourself, I think that is the first step Are you getting what you want out of life through the intention that you're selecting? I really believe that if you feel dissatisfied with your life and it's not going in the direction that you would like to, the first thing to do is to be still and ask that question. 
whether it's in a meditation, journaling. I've been doing freeform writing and talking to all kinds of feelings like fear, anger, and the good girl, and getting a very interesting response because we all have the answers which we seek deep inside of us. Let's face it, as we are, just as we are, we are perfect, whole, and complete, period. We don't have to do anything. Society dictates. We can just be who we are. And I know that's an overused concept because how do you know how to be, right? Or what is being? I want to guide you and give you some some things to think about and consider about how you can change or rethink. And I don't want to say think too much because I want you to feel with your heart or to feel what doesn't feel right. If it doesn't feel right, then perhaps it's not the best thing for you. If I told you to go down a dark alley at 2 a.m. by yourself, how would that feel? So to me, that wouldn't feel very good. So you kind of get a feeling. What are you willing to let go of? And at what price? Meaning, do you want to continue to live your life being unhappy, not being fulfilled, not pursuing a a goal, not having the relationships that you would like because of a belief that you were given that no longer serves you or you no longer believe in? All of this takes courage. And how do we find the courage to live our best life? I feel that having just turned 60 and living in a lot of fear, and fear is this umbrella. Fear is a big umbrella. And under that umbrella, we could dig a little deeper and determine what the fear is, but it's not being good enough not being lovable, you're not being worthy. You know, you've got to stop listening to people who prevent you from doing what you want. If they provide you with constructive criticism that's moving you forward, helping you to see that possibility or this possibility, but basically support you on your adventure, then that's fine. But I'm so tired of, for myself, people that have always told me no, because they have fear. So they're projecting their fear onto you. So it's about being courageous. And the older we become, the harder it is to change. Almost as hard as baking a Grand Meunier souffle. Speaking of, let's get back to the kitchen. Only a few minutes remaining, and then I get to remove the Grand Meunier souffle from the oven. So, oh! Here we go. Oh my God, it looks gorgeous. It's all light and and fluffy on the top. It's rising. I'm afraid to open the oven door because I don't want the top to fall. So let's take the Grand Meunier out of the oven. Can you smell the orange zest and the Grand Meunier liqueur? Oh, this looks so delicious. So far, everything is perfect, which is one of the symptoms <laughs> of a good girl. And guess who's baking the Grand Meunier? A good girl. So we're one for one so far. Let's head back to the table. 
sheer perfection. One of the things I learned about myself through making the Grand Meunier Souffle is that it's all about believing in yourself and letting go of the expectation of how things should turn out. And obviously that is part of the good girl syndrome, but I'm learning that to let go of expectation is one of the biggest keys in being fulfilled and finding happiness and joy in what you do because with an expectation we are sometimes disappointed or more often than not disappointed in an outcome that we expect to have but if you can kind of let go of an expectation you will nine times out of ten be pleasantly surprised well that's a wrap Good Girl Syndrome and our delicious Grand Meunier Souffle. So I want to thank you for joining me today and listening to Recipe for Growth. You can get the recipe for the Grand Meunier Souffle in the show notes. And also, please visit our website at recipeforgrowthshow.com and email us at hello at recipeforgrowthshow.com. We'd love to hear from you. And plus, I will be posting some exciting little tidbits that I think will interest your palate on all levels. Thank you for joining me on Recipe for Growth. I'm Lauren Leibowitz. Keep an open heart and an open mind. And I'll see you next time at the table.